the famously flaccid female libido. The female, with the rarest exception, is less eager than the male. By Charles Darwin. Women have little interest in sex, right? Despite Teresia's observation until very recently, that's been the near universal consensus in Western popular culture, medicine, and evolutionary psychology. In recent years, popular culture has begun to question women's relative lack of interest. But as far as the standard model is concerned, not much has changed since Dr. William Acton published his famous thoughts on the matter in 1875, assuring his readers, quote, The best mothers, wives, and managers of households know little or nothing of sexual indulgences. As a general rule, a modest woman seldom desires any sexual gratification for herself. She submits to her husband, but only to please him. Unquote. More recently, in his now classic work, The Evolution of Human Sexuality, psychologist Donald Simons confidently proclaimed that, quote, among all people's sexual intercourse is understood to be a service or favor that females render to males. Unquote. In a foundational paper published in 1948, geneticist A.J. Bateman wasn't hesitant to extrapolate his findings concerning fruit fly behavior to humans, commenting that natural selection encourages, quote, an indiscriminate or undiscriminating eagerness in the males and a discriminating passivity in the females, unquote. The sheer volume of evidence amassed to convince us that women are not particularly sexual beings is quite impressive. Hundreds of not thousands of studies have claimed to confirm the flaccidity, flaccidity of the female libido. One of the most cited studies in all of evolutionary psychology published in 1989 is typical of the genre. An attractive undergraduate student volunteer walked up to an unsuspecting student of the opposite sex who was alone on the campus of Florida State University and said, hey, quote, Hi, I've been noticing you around town lately. I find you very attractive. Would you go to bed with me tonight? Unquote. About 75% of the young men said yes. Many of those who didn't ask for a rain check, rather, many of those who didn't ask for a rain check, but not one of the women approached by these attractive strangers accepted the offer. Case closed. Seriously? This study really is one of the best known in all of EP, evolutionary psychology. Researchers reference to it establish to establish that women aren't interested in casual sex, which is important if your theory posits that women instinctively barter sex to get things from men. After all, if they're giving it away for free, the bottom falls out of the market. And other women are going to have a harder time exchanging sex for anything of value. Male Parental Investment, or MPI. As mentioned above, underlying each of these theories, as well as evolutionary theory in general, is a notion that life can be conceptualized in terms of economics and game theory. 
the objective of the game is to send your genetic code into the future by producing the maximum possible number of offspring who survive and reproduce. Whether or not this dispersal leads to happiness is irrelevant. In his best-selling survey of evolutionary psychology, The Moral Animal by Robert Wright, he puts it succinctly saying, quote, We are built to be effective animals, not happy ones. Of course, we are designed to pursue happiness and the attainment of Darwinian goals. Sex, status, and so on often brings happiness, at least for a while. Still, the frequent absence of happiness is what keeps us pursuing it and thus makes us productive. Unquote. This is a curious notion of productivity. At once overtly political and yet presented innocently enough, as if there were only one possible meaning of quote-unquote productivity. This perspective on life incorporates the Protestant work ethic that quote-unquote productivity is what makes an animal effective and echoes the Old Testament notion that life must be endured, not enjoyed. These assumptions are embedded throughout the literature of evolutionary psychology. Ethologists slash primatologist Franz de Waal, one of the more open-minded philosophers of human nature, calls this Calvinist sociobiology. The female interest in quality over quantity is thought to be important in two respects. First, she would clearly be interested in conceiving a child with a healthy man, so as to maximize the odds that her child would survive and prosper. Quote, Women's reproductive resources are precious and finite, and ancestral women did not squander them on just any random man. Unquote. Writes evolutionary psychologist David Buss. Quote, Obviously, women don't consciously think that sperm are cheap and eggs are expensive. Bus continues, but women in the past who failed to exercise acumen before consenting to sex were left in the evolutionary dust. Our ancestral mothers used emotional wisdom to create, rather to screen out losers. Unquote. Bus doesn't explain why there are still so many quote-unquote losers in the gene pool today if their ancestors were subject to such careful screening for thousands of generations. While a substantial amount of female parental investment is biologically unavoidable in our species, evolutionary theorists believe that Homo sapiens is uniquely high in male parental investment among primates. They argue that our high level of male parental investment forms the basis for the supposed universality of marriage. As Wright puts it, quote, In every human culture in the anthropological record, marriage is the norm, and the family is the atom of social organization. Fathers everywhere feel love for their children. This love leads fathers to help feed and defend their children and teach them useful things, unquote. Biologist Tim Burkhead agrees, writing, quote, 
The issue of paternity is at the core of much of men's behavior, and for good evolutionary reasons. In our primeval past, men who invested in children which were not their own would, on average, have left fewer descendants than those who reared only their own genetic offspring. As a consequence, men were, and continue to be, preoccupied with paternity. Unquote. For now, we'll briefly note a few of the question, questionable assumptions underlying this argument. That every culture is organized around marriage and the nuclear family. That human fathers that provided for only their own children would have left far more descendants than those less selective in their mer merit material generosity. Note how this presumes a discrete genetic basis for something as amorphous as, quote, preoccupation with paternity, unquote. That in the ancestral environment, a man could know which children were biologically his, which presumes that he understands that one sex act can lead to a child and he has 100% certainty of his partner's fidelity. That a hunter could refuse to share his catch with other hungry people in the close-knit band of foragers, including nieces, nephews, and children of lifelong friends, without being shamed, shunned, and banished from the community. So, according to the standard narrative, as male parental investment translates into advantages for that man's children, more food, protection, and education, other kids be damned, women would have evolved to choose mates with access to more of these resources and whose behavior indicated that they would share these resources only with her and her children, indications of selective generosity, fidelity, and sincerity. But according to this narrative, these two female objectives, good genes and access to a male's resource, create conflictive situations for men and women, both within their relationship and with their same-sex competitors. Wright summarizes this understanding of the situation. Quote, High male parental investment makes sexual selection work in two directions at once. Not only have males evolved to compete for scarce female eggs, females have evolved to compete for scale, rather for scarce male investment. Unquote. Quote unquote, mixed strategies in the war between sexes. It's no accident that the man who famously observed that power is the greatest aphrodisiac was not by a long shot good looking often in what we might call the kissinger effect the men with the greatest access to resources and status lack the genetic wealth signified by physical attractiveness what's the girl to do conventional theory suggests she'll marry a nice rich predictable sincere guy likely to pay the mortgage change the diapers and take out the trash but then cheat on him with wild, sexy, dangerous dudes, especially around the time she's ovulating. So she's more likely to have lover boy's baby, known as a mixed strategy in the scientific literature. Both males and females are said to employ their own version 
of the dark strategy in keeping with their opposed objectives in mating, females maximizing quality of mates and males maximizing quantity of mating opportunities. It's a jungle out there. The best-known studies purporting to demonstrate the nature of these two differing strategies are those done by David Buss and his colleagues. Their hypothesis holds that if males and females have conflicting agendas concerning mating behavior, the differences should appear in the ways males and females experience sexual jealousy. These researchers found that women were consistently more upset by thoughts of their mates' emotional infidelity, while men showed more anxiety anxiety rather, concerning their mates' sexual infidelity, as the hypothesis predicts. The results are often cited as confirmation of the male parental investment-based model. They appear to reflect the differing interests the model predicts. A woman, according to the theory, would be more upset about her partner's emotional investment, rather involvement, with another woman, as that would threaten her vital interests more. According to the standard model, the worst-case scenario for a prehistoric woman in this evolutionary game would be to lose access to her man's resources and support. If he limits himself to a meaningless sexual dalliance with another woman, in modern terms preferably, a woman of a lower social class or a prostitute whom he would be unlikely to marry, this would be far less threatening to her standard of living and that of her children. However, if he were to fall in love with another woman and leave, the woman's prospects and those of her children would plummet. From the man's perspective, as noted above, the worst-case scenario would be to spend his time and resources raising another man's children and propelling someone else's genes into the future at the expense of his own. If his partner were to have an emotional connection with another man, but no sex, this genetic catastrophe couldn't happen. But if she were to have sex with another man, even if no emotional intimacy were involved, he could find himself unknowingly losing his evolutionary quote-unquote investment. Hence, the narrative predicts and the research seems to confirm that his jealousy should have evolved to control her sexual behavior, thus assuring paternity of the children while her jealousy should be oriented toward controlling the emotional, his emotional behavior, thus protecting her exclusive access to his resources. As you might guess, the mixed strategy referred to earlier would follow similar lines. The male's mixed strategy would be to have a long-term mate whose sexual behavior he could control, keeping her barefoot and pregnant if poor, foot-bound and pregnant if Chinese, or in high heels and pregnant if rich. Meanwhile, he should continue having casual, low-investment sex with as many other women as possible to increase his chances of fathering more children. This is how standard evolutionary theory 
posits that men evolved to be dirty, lying bastards. According to the standard narrative, the evolved behavioral strategy for a man is to cheat on his pregnant wife while being insanely, even violently, jealous of her. Charming Although the survival odds of any children resulting from his casual encounters would presumably be lower than those of the children he helps raise, this investment would still be wise for him given the low costs he incurs, a few drinks in a room at the Shady Grove Motor Lodge at the hourly rate. The women's mixed strategy would be to extract a long-term commitment from the man who offers her the best access to resources, status, and protection while still seeking the occasional fling with rugged dudes in leather jackets who offer genetic advantages her loving but domesticated mate lacks. It's hard to decide who comes out looking worse. Various studies have demonstrated that women are more likely to cheat on their husbands to have extra pair copulations, or EPCs. When they are ovulating, and less likely to use birth control when they are than they are when not fertile. Furthermore, women are likely to wear more perfume and jewelry when ovulating than at other points in their menstrual cycle, and to be attracted to more macho-looking men, those with physical markers of more vigorous genes. These conflicting agendas and the external struggle but they appear to fuel this war between the sexes, is central to the dismal vision of human sexual life featured in today's scientific and therapeutic narratives. As Wright summarizes, even with high male parental investment, and in some ways because of it, a basic underlying, underlying dynamic between men and women is mutual exploitation. They seem at times designed to make each other miserable. Emphasis added. Unquote. Simon's voices the same resignation in the first lines of the evolution, rather the evolution of human sexuality. Begin excerpt. A central theme of this book is that with respect to sexuality, there is a female human nature and a male human nature, and that these natures are extraordinarily different, though the differences are to some extent masked by the compromises heterosexual relations entail and by moral injunctions. Men and women differ in their sexual natures because throughout the immensely long hunting and gathering phase of human evolutionary history, the sexual desires and dispositions that were adaptive for either sex Wherefore, the other tickets to reproductive oblivion. End of excerpt. Bleak, no? Conventional evolutionary theory assures us that all you scheming, gold-digging women reading this are evolved to trick a trusting yet boring guy into marrying you, only to then spray on a bunch of perfume and run down to the local singles club to try to get pregnant by some unshaven Neanderthal as soon as hubby falls asleep on the couch. How could you? But before male readers start feeling superior, 
Remember that according to the same narrative, you evolved to woo and marry some innocent young beauty with empty promises of undying love, fake Rolex prominent on your wrist, get her pregnant ASAP, then start quote-unquote working late with as many secretaries as you can manage. Nothing to be proud of, Mr. 